Wow. Thank you, my chosen girlfriends. And I, I got to tell you, when I go to speak, I'm always um, looking for the Lord to do something. And you guys can sit down. We'll stand and pray in a second. But I've just, I feel led to say this. I, I'm always looking for the Lord to do something in me so that I can do something in you. Because quite frankly, you don't need another talking head. What you need is an encounter with a living God. And I have never had such a year in my life um, where <laughs> what I came to share with you tonight is truly born in my own quiet place of turmoil. Sometimes my loud screams, sometimes my, you know, I'm sick over the toilet with stress. And I'm going to keep it real because I'm human. You know, we stand up here, but I always say, like, nobody up here is any different than you. You know, the same Holy Spirit that's at work in my life is at work in your life. And what I can do because he strengthens me, you can do because he strengthens you. And that includes the little girls, the young girls. Because as my son reminded me in college, mom, there is no junior Holy Spirit. There's not. You can be a real big girl with the Holy Spirit in your life. So I have, I'm impressed by, first of all, the fact that this conference is called Chosen, that your girls' night out is about recognizing that you're chosen. Because, you know, I mean, I got wrecked by the, the worship and by this last song because everything I came to speak to you about tonight and everything the Lord said to me was that I was supposed to tell you to choose victory, to choose victory. It doesn't matter what you're feeling. He wants you to choose victory. And I hope that my being transparent about my own journey choosing victory will help you. I got to tell you, in your choice for victory, you need to look at the woman next to you and say, sister, I need you. This isn't a choice you can make alone. And I'm telling you, it really, I mean, it's, I mean, it's really serious. Sister, I need you. This is not a choice you can make alone. I got to tell you, this last eight, nine months of my life, sisterhood has become everything to me everything. And I don't just mean worldly girlfriends. They can't do anything for me. God bless them. But you know, we're the ones chosen to be the leaders in their life. You know that, right? We're the ones chosen to be the leaders in their life, right? Well, who's chosen to be the leaders in our life? That becomes important for you to understand when you're going through something, Especially when that something is making you feel like a victim. You feel me? And I have to tell you, through this journey, I have a sister that I met at your chosen conference when I came here. I don't even know who was here when I was here a few years ago, a couple conferences ago. I don't know. But you have a Miss Sandy Ross. When I, when I start weeping in worship, before I get to the platform, it's going to be a problematic evening, I'm telling you, for the gates of hell. 
because God is here, the Holy Spirit is in this room, and we are not leaving here until we accomplish everything he sent us here to accomplish. And what I want you to do is really understand, Sandy, I am so grateful to you for your prayers. You guys, when you're feeling like a victim, the prayers of your sisters to remind you who you are in Christ Jesus mean everything. It's living water to your soul. You feel me? So I just, I want to stop and I want to pray from that standpoint because I just had to strip it down and get really bare before you before we pray. I want to pray together. So let's stand up and hold hands with each other. Let's link in and remember that, you know, together we stand, divided we fall. Link across the aisles, because you need to understand this for me, this is a symbolic thing, this linking hands. Don't let the chain get broken. You know why? We live in a nation that wants to divide us. We live in a nation of polarization, and we, as the body of Christ, do not choose sides. We choose power. We go in. We defeat the enemy. We defeat dis division, and we bring unity. Amen? So let's pray in Jesus' name, Lord, I want to lift up every sister and brother in this house tonight. <sighs> Father, I am nothing before you, and you are everything before me and before us. Lord, we need you. Lord, you are our choice, and we need you to stand in victory every day of our lives. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would move through me, that you would help me to deliver all of what's inside of me in, a, in an orderly fashion so they can understand and follow and learn. And, Lord, I pray that you would have your will and your way in every life represented in this room tonight, every community touched by each person in this room tonight, every home impacted by each person in this house tonight. In Jesus' name, we choose you. Amen. All right. Sit down. You know, as we... So we started, and the Lord started, the Lord's been speaking to me about choosing victory for the last almost two years now. It's been an interesting journey. Um, you should really be careful never to write a book called I Choose Victory, because let me tell you something, I have never had Satan try to make me feel like a victim more than at this point in my life, and that's saying a lot. Because for some of you who don't know my story, I'm a product of childhood sexual abuse, I was raped as a teenager. I was divorced because I was in a really bad, abusive marriage to a guy that took me to another country with a different agenda, a different name, and I woke up in a prison cell on my honeymoon and met Jesus in jail. <sighs> that's Prodigal Daughter. That's that book. <laughs> that, that's that story. And I've come to learn that our, our, our stories don't mean anything unless we give them to God because our story can be used for his glory. He takes our mess and he makes a message, right? So thank God, because we serve a powerful God who can redeem everything about our lives. So for me, victory is a hard-fought choice. And the definition of victory, I like this, from Wikipedia. It was the dictionary when I was growing up. 
says that the over the definition of victory is the overcoming of an enemy or an antagonist. I like that Wikipedia and the dictionary says that because it really proves that even secular people are what they really get is that it is all about God and Jesus to overcome, you know, your enemies because for victory to be defined as the overcoming of an enemy or an antagonist should prove to you that you have many enemies and there will be many antagonists in your life. Amen? Amen? Live long enough. You know, my grandmother used to always say, you know, live we may, but die we must. So, you know, I, I'm here to tell you some good old-fashioned wisdom has really taught me, you know, some of these lessons. The biggest scripture of my life, and I think it's the biggest promise of victory that I have turned to repeatedly this year, is really simple, and it's Deuteronomy 20, verses 3 and 4. Now, there are a lot of scriptures in the Bible about victory. That's why the Bible is so important to your life. Because if you don't know your word of God, you will be a victim. It's that simple. If you don't know what the word of God says about your life and your circumstances, I promise you, you will be broke, busted, and disgusted on the floor on many occasions of your life. But when you know the word of God, you know things like this. He shall say to them, hear, O Israel, you're approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be a do not be faint-hearted, do not be afraid or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. God is not a man that he would lie. He is not a man that he would lie. So when I say to you, choose victory, I understand that some of you rightfully ask and some people rightfully feel, well, how do I choose victory when the world is such a bad place? There are enemies. There are antagonists. And bad things happen to good people. Amen. Amen. So how do you choose to embrace life as a victor when our lives, some of our lives are attacked in the womb from day one? And it, it, I'm telling you, and if you don't believe that's true, just Google the stories of abortion survivors. I sat down with a young lady a couple of weeks ago named Claire Colwell. Claire has a beautiful story. She had a twin. Her mother got pregnant and went in for an abortion, and the twin was aborted. She survived. They realized it later. She was too late at that point. Well, at that point, it was too late for her to go and get the rest of it taken care of. How many of you know that today? Sadly, it's not too late. So she was born about three months early. She weighed three pounds, two ounces. She had dislocated hips, club feet. She had to wear casts on her feet for half of her childhood. She had to wear a harness and eventually a body cast. I mean, Claire Caldwell came here a victim. She was victimized. And I looked into the face of this young woman who was a guest on a TV program with me, and I just... I couldn't help but cry. I didn't cry because of the attack against her life, although that makes you cry. I cried for joy because of her choice to live in victory and to serve Jesus in spite of the circumstances that tried to abort her very life. You know, Claire Caldwell's story was meant to be an ad on this year's Super Bowl. 
That's right, and my chiefs won, and I'm expecting revival now. That's it, right? Okay. So her story was meant to be this beautiful Super Bowl commercial ad that was pro-adoption, right? But the NFL and the powers that be decided that it wasn't appropriate. Now that blew my mind because I figured, oh, that's not appropriate, but I guess J-Lo on a stripper pole in front of her child, that's appropriate. Come on, you guys, you cannot think that's appropriate. I am here to challenge you. We're either going to walk this thing out all the way or we're not going to walk it at all. Because, you know, living on the fence will get you one thing, a pain in your groin. That's what my grandmother told me also. She always said, get off the fence, pick a side, any side. I don't care what it is, but pick a side. And if you're here, I believe you're here because you have picked your side. You've chosen your side. You've chosen Jesus for your life. So we have to not be afraid to say, wow, that's crazy. That's not victory. I mean, I'm impressed that at 50, you can hold yourself up on anything that long. However, that's not victory. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So since we know that we live in a fallen world, and we know that we'll face tribulation here, and you can't think that Satan is anything but the leader of this world, because I have to say it, you know, there's probably as much division as there is unity. There's probably as much hate in this world as there is love. And there's probably, in my experiences, as much confusion and despair as there is positivity and hope. It's terrible. It's hard to choose victory. I get it. And I'm not saying to look at the, at the world as the glass is half full, because it's not. We're believers. Or I'm not saying to look at the glass as half empty, because we're believers and we know the glass is more than half full. The glass is overflowing. Yes. It's overflowing in our choice. Yes. Right? So what is victory? Well, the world would have you believe that victory is winning. Whatever it is you're doing, you just got to win. You know, my son played basketball at the University of Kansas, and I remember we would sit in the stands, and they always played that song. All, all we do is win, 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 no matter what, right? Got winning on my mind. I know. See, my little girls get it, right? I've, right? And I would sit there, and I was like, wow, they're worshiping this God of basketball. It's crazy. But as believers, we're supposed to be walking around singing, all we do is win, 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 no matter what. Got winning on my mind. That's who we're supposed to be. So the world would have you believe that victory is about winning. It's about getting the raise. It's about getting the job. It's about stopping a movie about your father that's stolen. That's another story. I'll get to that later. <laughs> the world would have you believe that your victory is some tangible manifestation of some material success. It's not. Those things are great. They are. They're great. I want each and every one of you to win at all the things you do in your life. But that's not victory. Victory, so simply, is just this. That you're free to walk in everything that Jesus has won for you in your relationship with God. Okay? I'm going to say that one more time. If I'm walking in victory, I'm walking in a relationship with God that's not messed with by the bad stuff that other people do to me. Right? And you know when you've been knocked over by some bad stuff someone does to you. Listen, I got to tell you, because of the message in me about this, I have been knocked over so much. I mean, I got here, got off a plane, and, and some of you who've been praying for me know I was sick as a dog the first night. Okay, 
girlfriends. Like so sick. You know how when you sleep in the bathroom on the cold floor next to the toilet? Because you're not sure you're going to get there again? I was that kind of sick. And I couldn't believe it. And then I went, I made it past that one because the attacks, the victimization, it comes from every direction all the time and I get it. So then today I'm getting dressed to come and speak to you and I have to just share this because it's kind, of a, it's kind of funny when you begin to get attacked and you realize how the enemy chooses to try and victimize you all the time, you realize that even these little things are about knocking you off of your game. They're about getting you to walk in something less than victory, right? I go to get dressed in the blouse that I, I, I picked out, my favorite new blouse to wear with my chosen girlfriends at girls' night out. We're girls, you know what I'm saying? Like some of them, I mean, you know, you think about, what am I wearing to school tomorrow? My niece does, she plans everything. What am I gonna put on before I go to dinner? Blah, 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 right? I almost have to. There's so much stuff going on in our female brains that I think we have to think it through or we'll go out of the house looking a crazy mess all the time. So I go to put on my blouse that I sent out to the dry cleaners on the night that I was deathly ill in Texas. My blouse came back. I don't know what they did to my blouse, but it wouldn't fit a four-year-old. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I know I had a big steak with Pastor Rick and Cindy and Sandy and Randy last night, but it wasn't this big. <laughs> my blouse is now shrunk. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. I want to get thrown off here, but I'm not going to. Because if I'm walking in victory, I'm walking in a relationship with God, that's not messed with by even the stupid stuff that happens against my day. Amen. There may be fear because things happen that we fear. There may be unbelief because unbelief is real. If faith is the mantle that we're supposed to carry everywhere we go, then trust me, unbelief is the weapon that the enemy wants to use to get you to forfeit victory and choose victimization. That's present. And sin, sin may even be in your life. And the enemy uses sin to ensnare us, you know? But when we're walking in a relationship with God, that's not messed with by the bad stuff that happens to us, then fear, sin, and unbelief, while they're possibilities, they don't have the power to overcome us or defeat us because we know how to get back up and get back on the horse and ride this race. They've been defeated in our lives and they need to be defeated daily. And if you think that you will arrive at a place where you will never ever, you know, get attacked or wrestle with fear or wrestle with unbelief, or wrestle with sin, I gotta tell you, don't, don't put that on yourself because we're locked in this flesh and it's decaying daily and it is just capable of so much stuff if you don't wake up every day and arm yourself. You know? So, victory is more than a way of thinking that impacts everything you do. It's the fruit of understanding everything that Jesus has won for you. And victory is a choice. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my walk with the Lord. Victory really is a choice. And, and, and I realize that that choice has to be made every day. Now, it's popular that for people to think that only some people get to be victorious. Only some people get the breaks in life. Only some people are treated fairly. 
This is what happens when the enemy is trying to attack you with victimization. When I first started writing my next book, I was really struck by the fact that the reality is that most people don't choose to be victims. They just don't know how to choose to be a victor. Amen? Nobody chooses victimization. There are millions of people around the world and who are victims, and they're not choosing to be victims. They just don't know how to make the choice. They don't know what the choice really is. See, I realize that orphans in Africa don't choose to be orphans in Africa. The man who's harassed by the police because of the color of his skin doesn't choose to be harassed by the police because of the color of his skin. The woman who's never paid as much as her colleagues and feels marginalized, she doesn't choose that for her life, right? Discrimination happens. It's based on a lot of things. It's real. It's true. There are real victims. People get victimized by stuff that is beyond their control daily. I get it. But what I'm saying to you right now is not ridiculous. I know I've been, I know people want to push back on it, but it's the truth. The choice to walk in victory in spite of all that stuff is still yours to make. The enemy would like you to believe that it's not your choice to make. But we can't just be in church and say the devil is a liar if we don't say it in the middle of the grocery store when we get attacked in the mind. And if we don't say it in the car while we're driving down the street and someone cuts us off and we want to act all kind of crazy. <laughs> right? The devil is a liar everywhere, every time, in every situation that you identify him at work. He hates us. <laughs> and we have to get good and mad with him. So, you know, my father taught me this lesson, right? My father really taught me this lesson, and my father had every reason to play the victim card. Um, my dad was the first black man to ever own banks in America, actually in the early 60s right here in Texas. Yep, he did so in the early 60s because there was still hardcore segregation in America. He did this by disguising himself as a chauffeur or a janitor so that he could get into his own board meetings. Now, my mom and a friend of theirs would often pretend because she had a white face. So they'd often pretend to kind of be the faces of these banks. And, and, and when my father was dying, I remember I spent most of the last few years of his life at his bedside. I mean, I just wanted to know everything about him. I wanted to absorb everything I could. And I kept asking him all the time, what's the meaning of life, Dad? I mean, seriously, when somebody's about to go meet their maker because he had lung cancer, right? And so, you know, God gave us a lot of time with him, but... We were at the end, so I wanted to ask the questions. <laughs> and my dad gave me two important lessons that I want to share with you this evening. The first thing he said was the meaning of life. He said, wow, baby girl, people. He said, you need people. You can't do anything in this life without people. Well, that was my first lesson in fellowship and honoring people. The second lesson that he gave me came in the form of a story when I asked him about racism and black people in America because at that time in the year 2000, I'd gotten my first big network job, and it was my dream job. See, some children are born, and, and they go on a normal journey of not really knowing what they want to do, and they try to figure it out in college and blah, blah, blah. Not me. I came out of my mother's womb, and I didn't cry. I said, I want to work on television. I'm pretty sure before I said mommy or daddy, I had a career plan for my life. That is a great thing, and it is a horrible thing. 
Because when we hold on to our plans really tightly, God has to just wrestle with us sometimes. Like, okay, let go. I gave you this dream, but I need to give you the pattern for this dream. So I said to my God, I said to my dad, she said, praise God. And I'm like, yes, praise God. I said to my father, you know, okay, lesson number two, what's the meaning of life? And he said, honey, bad things are going to happen to you. And I won't be here to protect you. And he said, and you know, he said, I, I, as, a, as a black man, I've always had a little rub with black people. Because at that time, he saw the NAACP parading me around because I was the first woman of color to ever be given a network late night show. So there I am in this world of white comedians on NBC late night after Leno and Conan. I don't even want to talk about politics because I was too young to deal with any of them. But politics, you know, it looked like success. On the inside, I had a lot of unconfronted stuff, so I didn't feel successful. I just felt like I was hanging on for dear life. But my father said, you know, stuff is going to happen. But for the first 20 minutes that someone does you a wrong or that something painful happens, I want you to grieve and get it out of your system. 20 minutes. After 20 years, you're a fool. Do not choose to be a victim, he said. This from a man who lost his banking empire because it came out to politicians in the early 60s that it was actually two black men dressed as a chauffeur and a janitor who owned these seven white banks and savings and loans. And then everything exploded, and that's a whole long story. But it was a huge lesson for me because I realized that only I can make the choice to break the yoke off of my life that tells me I'm a victim. Only I. Matthew tells us, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, if you don't take off your yoke, you'll never get his yoke. You'll keep your heavy burden all the days of your life. He's trying to get you to give him your load and take his load, which weighs about like this much. His load is all about letting us know that he loves us, that he's here for us, that he has a plan for our lives, and that even though we may not be able to understand what's spiraling out of control in our lives, he's there if we invite him in it. Only you can take your anger to prayer when you feel like a victim. Only you can choose not to sin when sin abounds all around you. I don't know how young kids go to school today and choose victory for their lives. We got to pray for them. Only you can decide to be victorious when you feel like giving up. And let's face it, we feel like giving up sometimes. And the reason why I really want you to cling on to the fact that only you can make this choice is because nobody else can make it for you. I can't make it for you. Pastor Rick and Pastor Cindy can't make it for you. A different president can't make it for you. Another governor can't make it for you. Therefore, hear me when I say, don't let your circumstances make it for you either. Amen? Only you, only you. And this isn't about positive thinking. Because <laughs> I had, a, had a, a, a friend of mine look at me and she said, you mean I can positively think my way out of the unfairness and justice that I'm experiencing? And I said, no, no, 
None of this choice is about positive thinking. This choice is about choosing wisely right now that Jesus is your victor. That's your victory platform, you know? So how do I make a choice, right? Well, it's really, what's this choice about? Well, it's really, who's this choice about? This choice is about Jesus. When you choose Jesus, you choose victory. When you choose Jesus, you choose to reject the victim's narrative that's been prepared and written for your life, and each of us has one. We all have a story, right? But Jesus is your victory guarantee. Now, there are things that war against victory. There are. Your pride will war against your victory. You know, pride will say to you to tell everybody, I don't need any help. I don't need prayer. You know, my mother is of the generation that nobody went to therapy, right? So you didn't pray out loud. You didn't, you know, these things out loud. And I'm like, Mom, I will ugly cry all day long on the way to help. <laughs> I am going to run to get my help in the Word with people who know the Word. I will immerse myself in getting my help. But, you know, the, the victim's narrative is an interesting narrative, right? Right? Because the enemy will also use things against, uh, uh, against your choice for victory as well. He'll, he'll use fear. We talked a little bit about fear. It's the opposite of faith. He'll use unbelief. We talked a little bit about that. He'll use your brokenness. And that's a big one. And that would require a whole other sermon on another day. But your brokenness, which is usually related to the things that have happened in your childhood, can only be healed by Jesus. And that's why Isaiah 61 talks about what the Savior is going to do when there's something that he reserved only for himself. And he said, I came to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. He did. No therapist, no doctor, no next door neighbor, no television show, nobody can bind up your broken heart and set you free from the captivity of the emotional brokenness you have because of choices that happened and situations that occurred in your life. But the victim's narrative is at work in our lives, right? The victim's narrative will also use sin against your choice for victory. You know that. You know that. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you either came here because your sin had you down and out, or while you're here, you're wrestling with sin to keep it out of your life. So we all know that sin is a very destructive enemy uh, to your life, to your choice. And then there's a victim's narrative that wants to play itself out over your life. You know, the victim's narrative tells you that you're less. Well, the victor's narrative becomes your promise of more. And you need to know how to combat these narratives. The victim's narrative tells you that your circumstances have won and you've lost. And the victor's narrative tells you that you're delivered. But the victim's narrative says you can't pay the bills. You're broke. But the one who chooses victory knows that he is your provider. He takes care of everything anyway. The victim's narrative feels weak and can't continue, but the victor knows that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and rise up. Amen? The victim accepts sickness and fears death, but the victor knows that by his stripes we are healed. Whatever you're going through right now, and for some of you, whatever you're still going through all, after all these years, I'm telling you, you have a promise of freedom from oppression if you wait on him 
and choose him and do what he says to do. Now, the reason why I really wanted to kind of set the tone for this is because I want to tell you a little bit about my personal year. Because I realized that my personal year is so that when I tell people to choose victory, you understand that I'm not just saying it and I'm, it's easy for me. You know, I'm not just standing here in a nice pair of shoes telling you what to do, and I don't understand what it's like to not have a nice pair of shoes and to not know what to do. You know, my personal year has involved two huge Goliaths. As a matter of fact, I've never had so many Goliaths in my home in my life. And I say this, and I, I just told you a few minutes ago, I was sexually molested as a child, raped as a teenage girl, you know, the victim of an abusive first marriage. Oh, I forgot, and I'm a cancer survivor. I've had one heck of a last eight months. So when I tell you to choose victory, I'm telling you choose victory. Because victimization, that's what the enemy wants. So in this year in my life, these two Goliaths have a name. One is called movie, one is called cancer. I'll tell you about the movie. The movie is about that great story I told you about my father. The movie is called The Banker. The movie involves my older half-brother who sexually abused my sister and I repeatedly for years, 30 years later, stealing our life story and making a movie about it with a bunch of Hollywood filmmakers and Sam Jackson and Anthony Mackie and everybody and Apple bought the movie and spent millions of dollars in this movie has taken me to the end of myself. Because when you have been sexually abused as a child, when abuse raises its head again, you all of a sudden are wrestling with feeling like a victim and you may have had that victim's narrative cleansed out of your life for a decade. But I am here to tell you that when the enemy starts attacking you, I get it. Sometimes it's relentless relentless. So as I'm talking to attorneys and dealing with drama and trying to, try, trying to prove to everybody that, no, you don't get it. My brother sexually abused us and, he, and his two friends who are writers on this film, they helped and, and, and you guys need to pay attention. You can't put this movie out. This is terrible. This is the product of, 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 of a predator and his friends. And, and then the enemy comes in and he sends another Goliath. The Goliath's name is cancer and the doctor tells me that my husband's diagnosed with cancer thyroid cancer. So I'm like, really, God? Really? Okay. So I start feeling really crippled. I got to tell you, I start feeling really crippled. The victim starts rising up. The victim becomes real in me. The victim is, is feeling down and devastated and crying and angry and spiraling out of control. Has anybody ever felt out of control because of bad stuff that's been done to them? And you just don't know what to do, but you are sure that God has forgotten you. You are dazed and you are confused. For me, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't breathe. I was having heart palpitations. My husband was picking me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. My husband was battling cancer, trying to put me together, holding me in the bathroom over the toilet so that I can vomit out whatever demons were trying to get out of my life. It was real. It was real. And all I could hear through months and months as my emotions were out of control, all I could hear and feel was everything I felt. And everything I felt said to me, there is no greater victim than me. Everything that was going on. And those are just the two big Goliaths. They were coupled with little Goliaths all over the house, little foxes everywhere. 
I felt down and out. I started yelling at God, come on, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? And then on top of everything, before all of this happens, a year prior, I turn in my cute little book, I Choose Victory, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose in my life. And I'm literally looking at God like, oh, you just really want to embarrass me. I get it. I, I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I'm literally like, God, seriously? I just wrote a book called I Choose Victory, and I feel like the biggest victim on the planet. What am I going to do with that? How am I supposed to help people choose victory when I don't even feel like you've chosen me anymore? I want to be this real with you because I want you to understand that tribulation will happen, but fear not. Fear not, fear not. I literally looked at God sometimes and I said, you know what? All I want to do is roll up in a ball and die. And in fact, there were many days where I literally... I remember being there and just curled up in a ball, crying and, and trying to figure out, like, I, that's it, I can't do it anymore. I can't do, I choose victimization, that's it. The victim's narrative that was prepared for my life just took me out, I'm down for the count. My rock has been threatened in my, with my husband's illness. My, my, my story, my life has been abused and stolen again. I was out. And I really didn't want to endure another day of what I thought was torture, and suffering as my reality. That was going to be my legacy. And I cried to God, you know, how do I tell anybody with any real amount of faith that the choice for victory is ours to make when I'm struggling so much to make the choice? How, God? Because I wanted to know, how do I help you? How do I help you choose victory? when I didn't think God was big enough anymore to save me. And you know, as I laid there in a ball, I began to feel like God was giving me answers, and I began to feel like he was saying, because you know what? I need you to understand what people go through, just like I do. Because when you tell them to choose victory, baby girl, you have to understand the depth of their pain. You have to understand the struggle in their story. The journey of a million miles just to get through the day that a lot of people make. You have to understand that it's not easy being a woman or a little girl. In this world that we live in, for Pete's sake, sex trafficking is the biggest issue we're dealing with. That's crazy. So I laid there in a ball on so many days and nights crying. I mean, literally just defeated, a victory, down and out. And all of a sudden, you know, when you're down and out and you really feel like a victim, you start realizing that you need to do something. So I would lay there, you know, and I was like, what do I do? Okay, I'll, I'll go back to what I know to do. I'll go back to what I know to do. And so in a ball of pain, literally rolled up and crying, and it happened so many times, I would just go, okay, God, okay. I can't even get out, a, I can't get out anything except I, a whisper, a whisper. Sometimes it's a whisper in us, right? Yeah. Okay, I choose you. I choose you, Jesus. I choose victory. I choose, I choose to believe you can turn this around. 
and you keep saying it over and over. You go to what you know to do. You choose it. I choose you. Okay, 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 Jesus. Okay, help me. You can do this. And then all of a sudden, your whisper. What happened is my whisper. Every time this would happen, every time I was at the lowest and, and felt the, like the biggest victim on the planet, every time my whisper would eventually become a voice. It would become a voice. And all of a sudden, that voice would rise up inside of me. <laughs> and I would say, Alexa, play Waymaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I would stand up, and all of a sudden, I'd start hearing the lyrics. He's a Waymaker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And I would hear it, and it would minister to my spirit as the worship rose up inside of me because you need to know that if you can't do anything, if you go toward worship, which is what we were created to do, we were created to worship him. If you go to worship, he will start to deliver you in your spirit from anything you're going to, and you'll start to hear it, and you'll know that he even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, and I didn't feel it, but he was working. He never stops. He never stops. He never stops working for us. And when the music was playing and the worship was rising up inside of me, I began to feel my mind turn back to him. I began to read the word. You got to go back to the word. See, it's really simple when you're a victim and you're feeling like a victim and life has you down and out. It gets simple, girls. This isn't going to be a pretty tidy message because I want you to grab hold of this because this is about your life. This is about your life because the enemy wants to make you choose to be a victim. He wants to take out your calling. He wants to murder your purpose. You have dreams and desires, and I get it. And you've got to learn to choose victory in spite of the circumstances. And you go back to the Word. And you remember in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's what we do. And I reminded myself that he's not a man that he would lie because men were lying all around me. The doctors, they're liars. They are. They're trying. I mean, literally, I had a man who I thought was the greatest surgeon in the world. He actually operated on me and cured my cancer. He goofed on my husband. So not only did he have one nine-hour surgery across his neck to remove his thyroid, we had to have two. The devil is a liar. Two. And he said, well, uh, the cancer must be growing back aggressively. And then the other doctor said, I, I think he just forgot something. And I said, I really, really don't care what either one of you think. Let's just deal with this. Let's just deal with this mistake. Because I know that my God is a healer. Amen. And Sandy sent me a message right at the right time. <laughs> and I know that I will overcome this and so will my husband. And we choose victory. We're not choosing this mess. This is not my story. See, you need to know what your story is as written by God above so that you can choose God's story for your life and not the enemy's story. The enemy wants you to serve a Bible of fear and doubt. But God wants you to understand who you are. He wants you to stand up. And some of you need to shout it and say it. I am more than a conqueror. That's who he is. That's who we are. I'm the first and not the last. 
You need to shout it. I'm a daughter of the Most High God, right? Nothing and nobody will have victory over me because it is written that no weapon formed against me will prosper. You need to remember your victory cry is rooted in your choice for Jesus Christ and all that Jesus is and all that Jesus does through you and in you because in him we live and we move and we have our very being. And you need to understand that I'm, I'm, he sent me here literally with such a simple message that is rooted in so much complexity I can't even begin to share it all. But sisters, man, our God is real. And our God is a way maker. He is. Tonight, that movie, which is the sum total of another abuse of me and my baby sister's life, because my baby sister started getting sexually abused at four years old. I was about seven, and what was done to her should not be spoken. That movie's opening right now as I stand here at, on this pulpit and preach. Right now, today. And you know what? I choose victory. Amen? I choose victory. I choose victory because I know, just like you need to know, the outcome that we can see with our eyes is not real. I know that God is doing something in the heavenlies with all of this. I know that this journey I have been on and this war that we have been in with these Goliaths in our household, I know that it won't, it won't defeat us. I won't choose to let it. From your place of despair with whatever you're going through tonight, from your place of hopelessness, I want you to understand that when you choose to partner with the victimization in your life, and when you choose the victim's narrative that's written because of the circumstances that occur in your life, the things that happen to you, then you're choosing to partner with Satan's plans over you. It's that real. It's that real. But when you choose victory, Satan is finished. Satan is finished. Just like he was finished when Jesus conquered death in the grave. You see, I, I, I go a lot to 1 John 5, 4 when I, when I want to remember, how do I do this again, Lord? How do I choose victory? And it's simple. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Our faith. And that is what the enemy is after. Every sermon you will listen to, every message that will be preached to you by anybody that stands here is all about your faith. Building up your faith. Teaching you how to war for your faith. It is so simple. Satan wants... He wants what he can't have if you choose Jesus and choose victory. He wants your faith. Now, in all of these situations, I want to give you one to always remember. Isaiah 3.11. Woe to the wicked, because it'll go badly for him. I mean, my brother's life, because I yelled time's up in me too. I, I don't have any joy or, or anything for as bad as things are for him right now. I really don't. That's the thing. I don't. I don't want to see him hurt. I long ago forgave my half-brother. And I feel sorry for him. But the word says, 
for what he deserves will be done to him. You know, and as we wrestle now with prosecuting him, my sister doesn't, she doesn't really understand what forgiveness is all about. I do. I don't have any need to prosecute anybody. I pray that he gets saved. I pray that he finds a, finds a, finds a will you forgive me in him because I'd forgive him. She's another story. So I know that my choice for victory now is to role model for her what her choice for victory will look like because I'm standing on that. And I remember, and I leave you with Psalm 57, 6, you see, when your enemies have set a trap for you and you're weary with distress because they dug a deep pit in front of your path, know this, it is they who will fall into it. Thanks for listening to our Chosen Bible Study Podcast. For more information on Chosen, make sure you visit us at chosenessay.com and follow us on our social sites. We'll see you next time, and remember, you are chosen.